Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, um, I, I think... What day of the week is that? That will be Friday's episode. So I don't know if I'll be here, but your kids uh, go to Catholic school, correct? Uh, one of them does, yes. One of them does. Okay. Do they do the Feast of St. Nicholas where they put out shoes and put can- like get like candy or something put in their shoes? Uh, it sounds familiar. It, uh, okay. I, I, I can't 100% vouch for that, but that sounds familiar. I was having this conversation with somebody on Monday, and they'd never heard of this. And this was somebody who didn't go to Catholic school but was raised Catholic. And I thought maybe it was just something that my little school in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, did. So if you went to Catholic school and had the Feast of St. Nicholas, where you had to put your shoes out in the hallway and they came by and put candy in it or something, that's where, like, the stockings come from for Christmas. Uh, I think it's December 6th. So uh, let let me know and make sure that I'm not crazy because... I felt like I was taking crazy pills there for a while. Now, it, the Google machine says Friday, December 6th is the uh, St. Okay. Nicholas Day and yeah. w- in the United States here. Uh, huh. Interesting. So I got the day right, but maybe not the tradition of maybe it was just some weird, quirky thing of taking your shoes off. I don't know. Maybe someone enjoyed that more than I did. But anyway, um, something that I know that I will enjoy just as much as everybody else is we have the next episode of welcome to the rock the come from away podcast from our friends over at curtain call coming up later this week james what are the details for that uh for that new episode's release uh well uh on tuesday at noon will be the uh episode number two released uh i took a listen to it it's uh very very interesting it's it's interviews with the real live people that the characters are based based upon um that's awesome really a ton of i just i'm overwhelmed with how much work that they put into these uh these episodes it's really wonderful uh, so yes yeah, so take a listen to that it should be out on uh, tuesday afternoon and uh i did get the high the high sign to release it to our patreon subscribers as well uh so that cool. uh they they'll be able to uh, take a listen to that Awesome. Through the actual Patreon feed. Yes, exactly. Very cool. Awesome. So if you are not a patron as of yet, you can head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio and you can get that episode downloaded directly into your Patreon feed. I have, James, I didn't realize this at first. I've been a patron of a a number of things for uh, years now, but I never downloaded the app. If you are a patron of podcasts, and you download the app, all of the Patreon-only episodes will be in the Patreon app, hmm. which I, I should I mean, I just never thought about it. It, say, it makes sense. So it's not like you have to go to the Patreon website and then play it through your phone's, you know, web browser or anything. The Patreon app does allow you to play podcasts directly from there, which is what I do with a couple podcasts that I am a patron for. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not only that, but when you're a Patreon uh, supporter, you get your own unique feed Correct. URL that you can put yeah. in your own podcatcher if you don't want to use the Patreon app itself. But, you know, many, many ways. It slices, it dices, and yet it does more. And yet the RSS feeds that they give you, uh, they don't work on the podcast app that I use. Uh, I use uh, Overcast. Is that what it's uh-huh. called? Overcast. Um, and they don't work. They, they, for some reason, they don't. They don't seem to work. So I'd have to like have a second app. I'd have to re-download the stupid Apple Podcast app, which sucks, and use them through that. So it's much easier for me personally 
to run them through the Patreon app. So, uh, but to each his or her own or their own. Exactly. So what did we have in last week's Broadway grosses? All right. As expected, the Thanksgiving week grosses were very strong, picking up 30 percent or nearly nine point seven million dollars. The total receipts last week totaled forty one million six hundred eighty seven thousand three hundred and thirty three million dollars. Thirty one of the returning thirty four shows on Broadway saw week to week increases with Hamilton topping them all, gaining seven hundred and twenty five thousand dollars last week alone. That's more than a number of shows actually had in total and Beetlejuice wicked the Lion King Phantom of the Opera Frozen Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and Aladdin all picked up more than half a million dollars themselves in total 25 shows had increases of six figures despite only a Christmas Carol playing nine shows everybody else played their normal playing week um, for the most part American Utopia played an extra you know, whatever but no, no one played more than eight shows other than a Christmas Carol the three shows that saw declines were all pretty weighty dramas and plays so that kind of makes sense for this holiday family weekend it was great society the sound inside and the inheritance the great society actually closed on sunday dropping more than twenty four thousand dollars to close with a frame of almost 331k the illusionists hyphen magic of the holidays had its first performances last week in gross $775,796 in seven performances. Hamilton was the top grocer overall with 3,379,716 buckaroos followed by the lion King at 2.45 million Moulin Rouge at 2.3 wicked at 2.2 and to kill a mockingbird at just over 2 million. Even then we had Tina, the Tina Turner musical, Aladdin, Frozen, Town, Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, Cursed Child, Dear Evan Hansen, Phantom, The Book of Mormon, Mean Girls, Come From Away, and American Utopia on six performances only, all above $1 million, James. So a very good week uh, overall. This should be one of the best weeks of the year, only to be surpassed by maybe the last week uh, of the year, which will be very big. And then the first week of 2020 will be even bigger. Now, I did this doesn't necessarily fit exactly with Gross's James, but um, I had a listener ask a question and I didn't ask permission to use their name, so I won't use their name. But um, they asked about yesterday. I mentioned the fact that it's very unlikely that Seared will come to Broadway this year because there's no theaters available for it. They asked, they said there's a couple theaters that are available technically, uh, and that's correct. The marquee is available, but at more than 1,600 seats, it's at least twice as big as what you would want for a show like Seared, which is very small, and it actually needs to be a little bit claustrophobic. To be honest with you, if I had a choice of a Broadway theater to put Seared in, the only one I would want it to be in is the Helen Hayes because it's, you know, 600-ish seats. So um, the marquee is like a 1,000 seats more than that. So that would not be a good fit for Seared. The Lyceum is also available as of now and would be a bit more appropriate at 922 seats. But as I've teased before, unless something goes horribly wrong in the next few weeks, that one already has a tenant waiting to announce perhaps when their off-Broadway musical opens and gets rave reviews, hopefully, and then they can announce on the heels of that. All right. That's a, that's a, a lot of hints there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's at this point, it's pretty obvious. I think. Uh, yeah. So uh, I did not see Seared, but um, from all the discussions around Seared, uh, I'm, I'm taking there's a lot of scallops involved in the show. Yes, the, the scallops play a big plot point. And like all of the reviews have said, and we talked about before, Raul Esparza literally makes 
I don't know, a dozen or so meals in the show. He is a cook. He is a chef. And it's part of the show to see him going through the choreography. Of, and that's what it really looks like of making meals. There's running water. I don't know if he's actually literally making them to the point where they're edible, but it looks like it. I mean, there's a stove an oven on stage that things steam up. That could be stage magic, but it looks real. I sat in the very front row. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw I was in the very front row and I've worked in many a kitchen and many a restaurant and it, it looked smelt and felt real. Um, so I don't know if that, if that actually is a working kitchen at all, but there's running water. Um, there's all those kind of things in there that, um, they could obviously do on Broadway, but it definitely uh, enhances the entire overall feel of the show. So I bring up the scallops because uh, tangentially I was I was checking uh, the financial pages and scallops futures are through the roof. They're, all because of Raul Esparza. It's all because of Raul Esparza. There's a scallop shortage or something like that. What was uh, scallops at twenty dollars a pound last year? They're now thirty nine dollars a pound and pushing scallops uh, off the menu, off the charts. And so I mean, uh, literally. I know Rollo Sparza was on one of the Law and Order shows for a couple of years, but literally this is ripped from the headlines. <laughs> ripped from the headlines. <laughs> All right. <laughs> other than Law and Order, what other recommendations do we have? All right. First up, uh, my Broadway World colleague Richard Ridge sat down with Tina Landau and Ethan Slater to talk about the upcoming Nickelodeon broadcast simulcast premiere of the SpongeBob SpongeBob musical colon live on stage exclamation point again when when it was in when this show played Chicago it was the SpongeBob musical when it played Broadway it was SpongeBob SquarePants now it's back to Sp the SpongeBob musical I don't understand what that's all about um, but he sat down and talked with the director and the star um, about the show so. Um, Make sure you watch that. It will be broadcast this Saturday, December 7th at 7 p.m. Check your local listings on basically every single Nickelodeon uh, television station. Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, sticking with the TV thing, uh, yesterday Broadway HD announced the shows that it would be bringing to its subscribers in December. Um, the shows are all over the place. A lot of Christmassy type things. Alice in Wonderland Ballet, St. Matthew's Passion, um, uh, a bunch of other things, Stravinsky Stage, all these things. But the one that I wanted to point out specifically is one that comes out on the 5th of December, which is Thursday. It is the Academy Award winning film of cabaret now i don't know if this was not streaming anywhere at least not with a subscription maybe you could buy it um on one of the streaming services but this is a to me james this is a, a pretty big coup um one of the most beloved modern movie musicals uh, of all time uh to to be on broadway hd is is pretty fantastic so i was uh, a little surprised when i saw that one but obviously stars liza minnelli and joel gray and directed by bob fossey um so that one will be on Broadway HD later this week. And then finally, James, this is one that I saw come up over the holiday weekend, and I wasn't going to mention it because I thought the moment had passed by the time we started recording episodes, but there was an epilogue. Um, so last <laughs> week, last week, uh, actually November 29th, so that would have been Friday, um, they had a talkback over at Slave Play. And as you can imagine, seeing that show, there were some uh, emotions that got the better of some audience members. One um, 
I don't want to cl- classify her age, but I'll say some one middle aged white woman um, got up and interrupted a person of color asking a question and said, quote, I don't want to hear that white people are the problem. She started shouting and causing a disruption. And that's when other people in the audience started expressing their feelings as well. Playwright Jeremy O. Harris um, tried to calm her down and basically in his very uh, biting way, said something to the effect of maybe she needed to see the show again to understand it better. Um, so that was funny. There's video of that. Um, it floated all around social media. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. But then the addendum. <laughs> Jeremy O'Harris uh, posted yesterday that um, I'll just read his tweet. It's in all caps. Talkback Tammy literally came in today and asked to speak to the general manager. Then a series of exclamation points and a whole bunch of clown face emojis. Um, apparently, this individual um, asked for a refund uh, after having watched the show. So, uh, honestly, James, if I did not know better, I would say that this was a brilliant marketing campaign by mm-hmm. Marathon or whoever's <laughs> running yeah. uh, uh, this. Uh, I know it's not, but. This has been all over the social meds, um, so I hope that they are being able to uh, capitalize on this. And another reason why I hate talkbacks. Karen is at the box office, and she's demanding to see the manager. (laughs) I'd like to speak to your manager, please. I'd like to speak to the manager, please. I am the manager. Well, no, I'd like to speak to your boss, please. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Boomer. (laughs) Okay, Boomer. I was was thinking that... if somebody clever out there could take the uh, the footage of this and the various uh, images that we've got, we we could take the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills meme with the cat and put you know Jeremy O'Harris and the woman in the, in those memes. And uh, is that what so, I don't understand that one? I don't understand that meme. That, that the meme. I mean, uh, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I'm not cool enough to understand it. No, no, it, it's just that the the cat is too cool to take uh, to take any of her uh, talk back. Oh well, Jeremy O'Harris is literally like the coolest person on earth, so yeah. uh, that would that would definitely uh, apply in this case. Then, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, yeah, and the uh, SpongeBob thing. I just got an invite from I think it was Bon O'Brien Brown. Uh, to see a screener of it, uh, uh, I guess on Wednesday or something like that. So I Very have cool. to check that out and see if uh, see if uh, we can get an advanced thing and we'll do a little uh, review of it. Nice, yeah. It's uh, it's playing on Nickelodeon at the exact same time as the Big Ten Championship game. So I will be recording SpongeBob and watching later. Okay. All right. So what do we have in show and casting news? All right. We have a handful of shows that we'll be extending here, James. Yesterday it was announced that Out of the Box Theatrical's upcoming presentation of the Maltby and Shire musical Baby has been extended. It, of course, is starring Alice Ripley because that makes the most sense in the world. Um, It is going to be playing a site-specific loft in Midtown Manhattan, and it has now been extended through December 21st. The uh, preview performances begin on December 6th with a December 10th opening. Then we also heard that actually this next announcement made me a liar on yesterday's show. I talked about the fact that theater for a new audience's uh, off Broadway revival of Fifu and her friends would be closing on Sunday. That of course is no longer the case because they've announced that they will be adding four more performances that will play now through December 12th, which is um, next Thursday. So rather than closing this coming Sunday, it's, it's going to be closing the following Thursday. 
And then finally, James, and I'm going to take this into a, a bigger discussion. It was announced that the Fifth Avenue Theater's uh, recently beginning performances of the Broadway-bound musical Mrs. Doubtfire has been extended now through January 4th. It was originally going to be closing on December 29th. Now, I wanted to mention this, obviously, because obviously we're going to mention about this show extending but yesterday there was also an article that came out on broadway.news or broadway news or whatever it is from caitlin huston houston houston huston i don't know how to say her last name i'm sorry caitlin um but it talked about the fact that this show is looking to garner feedback from members of different communities to make sure that they are representing um, different constituencies better in the show. This obviously is a direct response to what happened with Tootsie, which we have talked about multiple times on here, in which that show received some backlash for its treatment of gender, which is something that I expressed to you before I got out of the theater, I believe, James. Um, I think I texted you and said, whenever you review Tootsie, make sure you have a woman because it mm -hmm. needs to be discussed by a woman. And then because I'm oblivious and don't understand these things, um, we started hearing some things as the show started getting more word of mouth that the transgender community was upset by some of the representations in Tootsie. Well, it sounds like there had been some friends of the production who have affiliations with both Glad, um, the gay and lesbian allied you're glad you know what glad mm -hmm. is yeah uh, and the, and the actors fund who were not there on necessarily official capacity but had seen the show and provided feedback that the creative team has been incorporating into the show primarily having to do with uh gender gender and transgender issues uh kevin mccollum is paraphrased in the article saying quote not the, this is a quote from the article, not necessarily a quote from Kevin McCollum, the producer, but it's in Mrs. Doubtfire, the female character portrayed by the father, played by Rob McClure, acts purely as a function of the storyline rather than a representative of a community. Now, what I think I think that quote's a little clumsy, and I, I don't know if it was even more clumsy when Kevin said it. So Caitlin cleaned it up. But what I think that that is actually saying is, is that the difference between Mrs. Doubtfire and Tootsie is that in Tootsie, Dorothy Michaels is held up as the beacon of what women in theater should be. But it's actually a man playing a woman. And that plays into some of the nasty, uh, derisive um, stereotypes that uh, transphobic people have about transgender women who are actually, they say that they're just actually men trying to gain some sort of advantage by pretending they're a woman. What Kevin McCollum, I believe, is saying, if I'm understanding this quote correctly, is that Mrs. Doubtfire is just a woman. It's not specifically supposed to be the epitome of what womanhood is um, like Dorothy Michaels is in in uh, in Tootsie. So I, I don't know that they can walk this line, this very, very thin line, James, that I think that they're trying to walk. But I appreciate their efforts, I guess, to try to walk it. I I mean, to me, I think the bigger issue is maybe they probably shouldn't have just just shouldn't have done this. Um, also, as much as I love Rob McClure, he's been a guest on Tell Me More. I think he is fantastic. Are people really going to want to see someone other than Robin Williams play this part now? So I think that this, show, this production has a lot of issues to deal with. Um, I hope that they deal with them well, and I hope they've addressed things and everyone is very comfortable with the product that's put out. But I, I, I'm anxious and a little nervous for what comes from this show. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like there's so many of these shows that we we have to we have to see them because really really smart people totally. that we respect are involved with these things. Uh, you know, again, like uh, on a different a whole a whole different universe, the Michael Jackson show. 
Uh, Wait, the the one the one that's coming to Broadway or the one about his glove? Both of them. Both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous amount of respect for everybody involved in the glove one and the one coming to Broadway. Um, And yet, on another hand, I'm like, uh, really, how how do they deal with this? And so, uh, I guess all we have to do is we have to wait to see once they get here, and and hopefully they've uh, they've done a. They're they're aware of the job that they have in front of them to do. Yeah. And another one that I think is going to be causing quite a bit of controversy here in, say, I don't know, a week from today will be the Broadway revival of West Side Story. I Mm. think this one is going to be if you thought Oklahoma was a poop show in terms of the response to that. Folks, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is going to be a who mamacita. This is going to be something. I'm just I've 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 spilled some tea on some of the things that I've heard about this production that ain't even a half of it. So I just prepare yourself, batten down the hatches. If you go to an early preview, do it because there's a reason there's two months of previews. That is just in case the estate says yet to that. You're not doing that, Evo. Go back to the actual show. So if you want to see the weirdness that Evo has cooked up for this, um, I would go early because it might not be there after a few weeks because it is going to be. Very, very much not your grandma's West Side Story. I seriously wonder if the first preview cast and the opening night cast will be the same. I'm not even talking about that. That's no, no, that but I, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But I, I have, I, I'm just saying, don't think that the the cast will be the same first preview I, and opening night. I, I wish I had as much faith in humanity as you did, but I think if they've gotten this far and haven't made a change, that ain't going to happen. But also, I don't, th- I, I don't think that there's a non-zero chance that this show actually doesn't open. Um, uh, you know, I think if Arthur Lawrence was alive, it never would have gotten this far. So it'll be interesting to see how his estate deals with the changes that this creative team is bringing to this show. Um, I mean, Arthur Lawrence was alive. Evo Van Hoven never would have even gotten the rights to do this show. So it, it, that, that's something that's always surprised me. But I just I, this is going to be bizarre like you've never seen. Well, buckle up, everybody. We're <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Matt, get us out of here like you robbed a liquor store. Yeah, drive it like you stole it. Um, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. That's something we used to say when I coached baseball and softball. You, you want to drive the ball, drive it like you stole it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. What happened with the Ashley? Ashley coming back tomorrow? Ashley is not only coming back tomorrow, she is doing the show all by her lonesome. So you are going to be getting just an Ashley episode tomorrow. As James, you will have a uh, uh, a family event or like an award ceremony yeah. for your kids. I am seeing the national tour of the play that goes wrong. So Ashley will be bringing you all of Tuesday's news on Wednesday's episode by her lonesome. So come back and listen to Ashley and give her your support. We'll talk to you then. Thank you.